order. The week in the House, as in the country at large, was dominated by the aftermath of a massive earthquake which jolted the northwestern part of the South Island and southern parts of the North Island at two minutes past midnight on Monday morning. Among the thousands of aftershocks over the next few days, two were keenly felt in Parliament's debating chamber, both occurring on Tuesday afternoon and both while Finance Minister Bill English was on his feet answering questions about the government's response to the likely economic impact of the quake. Uh, Well, Mr Speaker, the shorter-term steps have been outlined uh, by the Prime Minister uh, and the Minister in charge of earthquakes. There is no minister in charge of earthquakes. Uh, so we know that uh, we know that repairing roads and other utilities are costly and long-term solutions. Picture, if you will, just in your mind. No need to go to a website or switch platforms. A debating chamber full of upturned faces, watching light fittings swaying back and forth. Well, Mr. Speaker, this time I'll be more careful what I say. Um, <laughs> The finance minister in Tuesday's sober and subdued question time, like an oldie scrum, going through the motions without any of the usual pushing and shoving, as noted by the leader of the House, Jerry Brownlee. Uh, Mr Speaker, anyone who is a regular observer of question time uh, here in this parliament may have found today a little quiet, uh, may have found today a little overly constructive. Uh, But uh, I just want to, as leader of the House, acknowledge Uh, the uh, various parties who have asked questions in the House today. They've been asked from a very genuine point of view and do express the widest uh, uh, support that this House can give to those who are facing difficult times at the moment. The Leader of the House, Jerry Brownlee, who had a busy week, which began on Tuesday with this ministerial statement from the Prime Minister, John Key. Mr Speaker, just after midnight on Monday the 14th of November 2016, New Zealand was struck by another severe earthquake. The magnitude 7.5 was one of the largest ever, uh, was 16 kilometres deep and centred near Hamner Springs. It was felt throughout much of the country and the subsequent aftershocks continued to keep many New Zealanders on edge. Mr Speaker, the damage is serious. Two people have lost their lives and their families are grieving. Our thoughts, of course, are with them. Others are living without power and in damaged homes. In Kaikoura, communities have been cut off, there is no running water or sewage, supplies have been limited and the phone coverage is unreliable. Within 24 hours, Mr Key was back with better news, delivered in response to this request from the New Zealand First Party's Ron Mark. Can he update the House on the situation in earthquake-affected areas in the South Island? The Mr. Right Honourable Prime Minister. Uh, Mr Speaker, maybe it would be best if I just gave a quick summary of, of the most recent visit we've had there a couple of hours ago. Um, what, what I can say is that um, on one hand, I think spirits are actually quite high in um, the Kaikoura region. Uh, there's been a significant additional support coming from police, coming from the military, coming from civil defence. Uh, the locals, I think, in that regard are, are feeling well supported by this parliament and by the services that support them. Uh, secondly, Mr Speaker, uh, what is was clear is that there is... Uh, real concern about about uh, the upcoming tourism season and the capacity to, for tourists to actually get into uh, to Kaikoura because of the, the the damage to road. 
The House then heard more about that from the Minister of Transport, Simon Bridges. It's clear there's been significant, incredibly significant damage uh, to local roads and State Highway 1 between Picton and Christchurch. Crews are working hard to repair roads where it is possible and safe to do so. And while alternative access routes are being established, it's now very clear it may be many months before roads are fully operational, especially given what is now likely to be an unprecedented level of damage to the state highway network. Within two days, Simon Bridges was facing questions like this one from the New Zealand First Party's transport spokesman, Dennis O'Rourke. This question is to the Minister of Transport. If the Prime Minister has described State Highway 1 as, quote, really stuffed, what are his plans, if any, to assist the repairs of Centre Port upgrade Littleton Port for ferries, repair State Highway 1 and alternative routes as well as rail in both islands? The Honourable Simon Bridges. Well, Mr Speaker, it's important to think in relation to plans to keep in mind that we're still in the response and recovery phase. Uh, a more detailed picture is, however, emerging as more information comes to hand. I think if we just take roading, uh, for example, obviously an incredibly important example, the government's already moved quickly to repair and open roading links, but the scale and the complexity of the slips on State Highway 1 uh, that the member mentions are unprecedented and the task ahead of us is huge. Simon Bridges' Cabinet colleague, Hekia Parata, faced questions from her Labour shadow. Their education spokesman, Chris Hipkins. Does she think it's fair that students who had studied hard for an exam because they needed a good result in order to get NCEA for their future study and employment are either denied the opportunity to sit or have to sit when they're sleep-deprived and still being shaken by aftershocks? The Honourable Hickey Parata. Mr Speaker, the emergency derived grade process, which was the one that was used in the Greater Christchurch area and is used for exceptional emergency situations, relies on the school using the assessments throughout the year to make the case, and that is the process that is being applied here. Education Minister Hekia Parata. Further along the government's front bench, the Minister for Building and Housing, Nick Smith, was being tackled by his Labour shadow, Phil Twyford. Does he believe there needs to be a review of the building code, given the damage sustained by modern buildings, such as Statistics House, in this week's earthquakes? Nick Smith said the issue was not the building code, but the more detailed standards. The overall performance of most buildings in the quake was good, but there may be others like Standards House that require further investigation as more information comes to hand with the hundreds of assessments that are taking place across Wellington currently. And those assessments were revealing more and more faults in office buildings in the capital, prompting this question on Wednesday for the Prime Minister John Key from the Leader of the Opposition, Andrew Little. What steps is he taking to respond to the, the, the evacuation of Statistics House, Defence Headquarters and now Papatea House due to the damage in the earthquake that they were supposed to be able to withstand? And just how compromised are government services given the number of public service buildings that seem to have been evacuated? The um, Right Honourable Prime Minister. Mr Speaker, I'm not aware of a major deterioration in the services that um, can be provided, but clearly people have moved out of buildings, and when they do that, um, and we need to do that if they're structurally unsafe, we can't put people um, back in buildings that are unsafe, there, there, there may be some inconvenience and there may be some reduction in, in service. Um, 
it's, it's actually not correct to say that uh, even if a building is built to a strong and a high level of code compliance that it can't and doesn't suffer damage as a result of an earthquake. Uh, they, they sometimes do. Then, from the Minister of Civil Defence, Jerry Brownlee, confirmation on Thursday that the magnitude of the earthquake had been officially raised from 7.5 to 7.8. Uh, Mr Speaker, GNS informed my office uh, yesterday afternoon of a revised magnitude after reassessing data from stations across the country. Uh, they said that because it took over a minute for the fault to rupture during the event, the standard method normally used to calculate energy released during an earthquake was insufficient. The revised magnitude tells us what everyone knew. It was a big earthquake. Jerry Brownlee, who later on Thursday led the House in recommending the appointment of former Transport Secretary Martin Matthews as the new Auditor-General to succeed Lynn Provo. Mr Speaker, the process for choosing a nominee for a position like this uh, which is an officer of parliament, is uh, exhaustively uh, undertaken uh, under your chairmanship, sir, uh, with the assistance of other parties' uh, representatives to the Officers of Parliament Committee. I know that there were a number of applicants uh, who would have uh, met the bill, but the committee has decided uh, to support uh, Martin Matthews. Among endorsements for Mr Matthews' appointment was one from the co-leader of the Māori Party, Marama Fox. Uh, Mr Matthews has a huge job ahead of him as our country's top public spending watchdog, keeping a close eye on more than 4,000 groups which administer taxpayer and ratepayer dollars. And we encourage him to widen the scope of how his office audits taxpayer-funded entities to ensure they are including two further points in their work. One, whether those groups are giving effect to the principles of Te Tiriti or Waitangi, and whether they are recruiting a diversity of staff that reflect our community. Assistant Speaker Trevor Mallard paid tribute to the outgoing Auditor-General, Lynn Provo. First, before I speak directly to the motion, I want to place... Uh, on record the thanks of the House to Lynn Provo for the work that she's done uh, as, as Auditor-General. Uh, before that, uh, as the first civilian and first woman Deputy Commissioner of Police uh, and, and worked with a number of members of the House uh, at the State Services Commission. Uh, her public service has been um, uh, brilliant. Assistant Speaker Trevor Mallard, who was in the chair at the end of Thursday's special Pacific Issues debate, coinciding with the Pacific Parliamentary Forum held this week at Parliament. The question is that the motion be agreed to. Those that are of that opinion will say aye. aye. To the contrary, no. The ayes have it. Uh, can I, on behalf of presiding officers, also uh, wish delegates well and for you to remember that our house is your house too. The House stands adjourned until 2pm on Tuesday the 29th of November. And although that was the end of the week in the debating chamber, Friday was a full working day in one of the committee rooms, as Rhys Lyon reports. This week saw a total of 21 select committee meetings held, including three health subcommittees on Friday, hearing submissions on Marion Street's petition calling for an inquiry into public attitudes towards euthanasia. And while those subcommittees were set to hear more than 120 individual oral submissions on Friday, the day before the Justice and Electoral Committee heard just one on the Electoral Amendment Bill 2016.
That's a government bill in the name of Justice Minister Amy Adams and aims to make a number of minor changes to the Electoral Act 1993 to, quote, help improve services to voters and assist with the smooth delivery of elections, unquote. But the one submission on the bill heard on Thursday was critical of the process around it. That view coming from Law Society member David Cochrane. The process is, well, I suppose you'd politely say suboptimal. It's actually awful. Mr Cochrane said the bill had a number of shortcomings. The Electoral Commission keeps saying it's about time we did something about emergencies. If there's an earthquake um, around election time, what are you going to do? Does it, does, no one knows. Been in the report for 2012, 2015, still hasn't been addressed. I mean, you might sort of think, you know, there's a reasonable chance in the next 12 months of decent earthquake, what if it's election day? The Law Society's Law Reform Committee member, David Cochrane, said that with three years between each election, such electoral amendment bills should be better considered. It's just, it seems like the whole system has just drifts along for a couple of years and then, oh gee, there's an election coming up, we better ram some legislation through and as fast as we possibly can. You give the public very little time and take forever within the processes. I mean, this committee isn't reporting back till February, so why the rush? February the 13th to be exact. Meanwhile on Wednesday and over at the Education and Science Committee, MPs heard submissions on the bill seeking to update the country's education laws. One submission came from Wellington East Girls College PPTA Chairwoman Georgette Lampert, who had reservations about proposed centres of online learning or COOLs. It is not stated in the bill that a manager of a COOL needs to be a fully qualified teacher or principal. This is highly disturbing to us. Registered teachers are also not required by the bill, and as a group of professionals, we strongly um, stand together and firmly against this, as we believe the quality of education will decrease if calls go ahead. Ms Lampert also questioned the social impacts of online-based learning. We are concerned that calls will limit the social development of children at all ages if they are fully enrolled online. Skills such as making friends, negotiating, working as a team member, showing empathy, understanding different cultural practices and navigating new physical environments cannot so easily be learned online. Those concerns were echoed by the principal of Tower College, Murray Lucas. Just a story how vital it is to get that face-to-face contact. We had science um, NCA Level 1 on Monday. We had six students come and I met with them prior to the exam. They showed the whole gamut of emotions after coping with the earthquake. One thought it was the greatest adventure that he'd ever been part of, through to one that was so traumatised they couldn't even remember their name. If we didn't have that sort of human interaction, where are we going with our education system? And Mr Lucas was supported in that view by his Board of Trustees student representative, Tane McMahon. We believe that it is really important for social face-to-face time with a teacher and other students. Um, we see that losing the social time with others, we lose a major part of the purpose of school, learning to work with others for our futures. Tower College Board of Trustees student representative Tane McMahon with that submission on the Education Update Amendment Bill, which is due to be reported back to the House by March the 13th next year. That report from Mish Lyon, I'm Tom Fruin, and this programme was made with funding from Parliament.